0: Were we not even recording? Out. Not even recording. God oh Jesus it.
1: fucking hell! Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We started off strong. I'm gonna flip we this goddamn too. table. <laughs> Story in the news today.
0: You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Now, are they are they UFOs, or are they like
1: some crazy experimental, you know, governmental? I don't know. Oh, planes yeah. that they're
2: and police in Espanola are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. This weird animal-like creature that was shot. Wolf-like creature
3: that just stood out in some odd ways. <laughs> Welcome to Strange Uckles. I'm Shane. I'm John. Is this thing on? I think it's on now. I think it is. Yeah. Anyhook. Uh what's going on, guys? Just getting freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a little editing snafu, but I think we're I think we're better now. But uh we yeah. actually were talking about um well ghosts, yeah, really, from the last episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joan, are you getting yeah. a little freaked out? I I'm just it freaked just freaked it
0: just hurts my brain to think about ghosts. Cause yes, I I believe in them, but with all, especially like Ed and Lorraine Warren, they, like, they,
3: I mean, they believed in them like more than anything. Yeah.
0: And they, but they just throw all their religion into it as well. And I just don't yeah. believe in that part. I don't know. It's just like, can you believe in one, can you believe in ghosts without believing in that? And I mean, I think, sure. I think you can.
3: Well, you, you know, yeah. And it was odd reading the book, to be honest with it. Because and again, um, we're referencing the demonologist from uh, Gerald, Gerald Butler, I think, that read it. Trent. Uh, it was uh, Gerald Brittle. And um, interesting book written by a Catholic priest. Followed them around, believing in what they had to say. But it's so hard because, yeah, I I don't. I'm not a Christian. So how do you look at that when that's what they're throwing into everything, and that's what they're talking about the exorcisms, and they're talking about this and that? It's you know, there's been civilizations way, way back that believe, like you said. Yeah, as I said on yeah. the Lost, tapes, <laughs> yeah, uh, the lost uh,
1: tapes, if you look at the entire history, even that we just know of of humanity, Christianity is just a little tiny blip so far. It's only 2,000 mm-hmm. years old. There have always been uh, spirits and uh, sometimes more like of nature and more Chaotic neutral <laughs> to
3: borrow. <laughs> oh, nice. And that um, again, D D uh, again. Yeah. But that's
1: uh weird. and then there've also always been good and bad spirits way before there was Jesus or Yahweh or any of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, so uh-huh. Yeah. It's just interesting, you know. It's,
0: where do they come from? Where do they go? Where do they come from? Cotton I Joe. <laughs> I was gonna,
3: gonna say that's a song. Yeah. I know the lyrics. Hold on, just a second. I'll get it. <laughs> um
0: Yeah, I mean Are they dead people or are they just beings from another dimension that are occupying our same space, which that's always. And and you know what?
3: That's more of a prevalent thing than I think I I would believe in a more that way than I would anything Yeah. that we, you know, as we sit here, as, as weird as this fucking sounds, as we sit here, we have other parallel dimensions, things going around. It's like they're here we just can't see these things and every now and again there's a glitch mm-hmm. and that glitch is a ghost a ghost we talked what two episodes ago three episodes ago about um the whole oh, simulation theory season? yes last season season 2 by the way that went well welcome to season 3 guys um there's a lot of talk and actually there's a lot of high up scientists discussing the whole simulation or sorry uh simulation theory oh that that explains ghosts <clears throat> because they are actually a glitch in the mainframe. But mm. if that's the case, why are we seeing dead relatives or somebody who you know is well, dressed I mean, in if, period
1: attire? Or if you want to look at it through a like programming standpoint for like a simulation theory type thing, then it totally makes sense that it's dead relatives because your programming would be related.
3: Hmm. Uh-huh. Good yeah. way to say yeah, actually. Yeah, um
1: that makes so sense. So of course you would see yeah. that if there was like ghost code left you would Right. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like, it's just like just whatever that, you would see. Yeah. It's connected to you is? and then the glitch. Yeah, huh. you're all in the same yeah. column on the spreadsheet basically. Right. Like you're
3: in the same bracket. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's how it plays out. Could be. Very much could be. But hmm. what about the things you see that aren't related to you? You know, a house that you've never been in. Well, take Skylar's story for example. Yeah. You know, I mean that, you know, and again, Skylar, that was what episode we were, uh, I'm not even so trying to say he, what episode I'm it was. <laughs> 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 no. But for those of you who, uh, who listen, or maybe you're new listeners, um, we had an episode where we actually had a, a friend of the podcast come on. You guys had known him for years, you grew up with him. Um, I worked him weird and you talk about synchronicities, which we talked was- about earlier a little bit. So this is, again, I'm pitching hellier because it was fucking awesome. Yeah,
1: and it, but, it, you haven't even finished it yet. You haven't got to the good stuff. Uh,
3: not yet. No, I haven't. I, uh. I think I'm episode five. But uh, he, I knew Skyler from, he was an electrician contractor that worked for the building of my, my company building that mm-hmm. I was there to do. And I knew him and I worked with him. And then you guys had said, hey, I know this guy and he had this house and- you know, it, it was it haunted. It ruined everything. and It ruined his marriage. And it just absolutely, and and he agreed to come on. And he walked through the studio door. And I was like, oh, my God, dude, it's Skyler. And he, it's just, you think about synchronicities. That's yeah. part of that.
0: That was so weird. Yeah. I was like, wait, you yeah. know each
1: other?
3: How?
0: <laughs> What's going on?
1: If you haven't watched Hellier season one and or season two yet, mm-hmm. and you're already giving that evil piece of shit Jeff Bezos your money, uh, watch it on Prime because I think that might end up with some money towards the new Kirks and their team. I think so too. If I you're think, not yeah. a Prime subscriber, it's available on YouTube and also on uh TV. I think is oh.
3: the website. Do they have their own uh, Planet Weird? Right?
1: Yeah, but the yeah. the show itself has its own website. Gotcha. It's, gotcha. it's either hellyard.tv or TV.com. I can't yeah. remember. Yeah.
3: But. Um. But you know, talking about Skyler and what he what he actually encountered what he experienced it, it wasn't really it wasn't attached to him like it was just a house he bought it that, yeah it
0: was attached to the house yeah.
3: you know and, and so there's different things where i said atta- and this is one thing that and lorraine warren and again we're going to get into more of the i guess factor bullshit you guys like to say whether it really happened or whether it did not you know what is it attached to the house is it attached to the person and i think there is a big difference. I really don't. I think it can go either way on a lot of, on a lot of situations, depending Mm -hmm. on what it is. Um, You know, it is common myth that you have a woman that just gets on puberty and she has uh, emotional things going on and things are attached to her. You know, oh, fact, you're talking about like, like
1: the poltergeist phenomenon, right? Exactly. Yeah, that does tend to be more uh, associated with young women, yeah. who are entering yeah. puberty and mm-hmm. also in an angsty type situation,
3: right? Yeah. Right, and we're actually in talks with the with a person who hopefully comes on the podcast. We'll say I'm not going to say them because she might not make it, but we'll we'll try. But she experienced these things. Um, I've experienced these things personally. Um, you, I know, Josh has in your house has
1: been haunted as fuck
3: well, yeah yeah so there's that thing it's just weird when you think about it so um we're gonna dive i guess back into the warrants unless you guys got any more theories you want to talk about or we can go uh, like case by case kinda
0: i think we should just dive into some of the some of the work they've done
1: um this is kind of a side note but uh, yeah before we dive into the cases can you link to the episode with skylar in the show notes
3: Oh, by all means. Yeah. Yeah. I'll cool. dig that
1: up and we'll put that so in there I thought that was neat. Check that out it that's our own like personal story with well, not our own personal story, that's our friend's personal story with all of this.
3: But but you know what? He brought us into the mix. And honestly, I will say that when we actually did the recording and we had him in the studio and, and we're we'll watching him tell the story. Um and he's almost I yeah, it just it was very emotional, I will yeah. say. Yeah. It's it it struck me. Very so, heavy. Yeah. So Anywho, thinking of heavy, we're going to go back into Ed and Lorraine Warren and, um, yeah, and their world.
0: We didn't realize that it was diabolically infested. And on a scale of 1 to
2: 10, I would have to say that Amityville was a 10. We're right. It all started out looking like... There could have been human spirits. They would see human spirits. Even our researchers witnessed human spirits. Mm -hmm. But there was something altogether different. Besides that human element, there was something inhuman.
3: So we covered before a little Life and Times, how they meant, what was going on, some of the theories. Uh, We're going to go into the cases. Uh, Do you guys want to... Start, or do you want to? You want me to just do an intro and we can do some batter afterwards? What do you think the best way to go about this is?
0: I think you should tell us about the case and then we can just talk about it.
3: Okay. So, we've, so I did my write up and I have basically three cases and a couple everybody knows about. We talked a little bit in the beginning of conjuring and some of the things that kind of brought them to light now in recent days. Um, Amityville is a good one. There's Mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff. I think
0: that's, that's my biggest debunking one is, um, the Amityville case.
3: I think that's everybody's biggest debunking because there was some shit in there that really, you know, shouldn't have happened. So yeah. um, we will say we'll say this. So keep in mind these cases are quick descriptions on on our podcast. We don't have time. Like if this was a five parter, maybe, but we don't have that. I'm not entirely told the correct way, perhaps, and I think that's what we're finding out about a lot of these cases, um, by how they really happened. These are all taken directly out of the books or quotes from the Warrens. This is where the charlatan or hoax words are thrown around a little. Uh, Not that we don't entirely buy into the fact that the Warrens believed in what they did and what they saw. (laughs) Okay. But- Um, But from other people's perspectives, it seems they have been quite liberal with the involvement they had in each of these cases or how the investigations actually occurred. Again, this is just a smattering, if you will, of the Warren's history, but enough to let you know, the listeners, aware of some of the past understandings. Along with this, we are only going to cover a couple famous cases. If you don't know the movies based off their accounts, uh, whether loosely or correctly, then you're kind of, I don't know, you don't have a TV? if you haven't seen a lot of this stuff i don't know what I to mean to tell be you. fair
1: the only time so. i've ever seen the conjuring was when i was watching it on mute while we were interviewing Org and
3: Bob. <laughs> are you seriously you've yeah. never seen the conjuring
1: No oh dude i've seen oh, it a couple of times it's really it's a great
0: movie I don't really like horror it, it's movies. a fucking fantastic really. movie dude. I love it like horror those
1: movies. kind of horror movies anyway i guess i don't know
0: I don't know those are the best kind of horror movies cuz I, I don't i'm not big into like the creature feature type of deals
1: No i'm not that guy either. I don't
0: know the conjuring got it was, it was pretty disturbing. I don't really get scared, really. Much so. I'm just, I don't know. I feel like the a witch on the on the just, fucking. Well, yeah, there's some creepy oh, stuff, man.
1: Like I said, every house I've ever lived in's been haunted. So like those kind of like haunting movies, I'm just like, nah, yeah, I don't, I don't need I get the- it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't <laughs> live to one. I, don't, <laughs> I don't need to stir up whatever's right. hanging around. Yeah.
3: Well, and keep in mind, too, on the whole fact of the Warrens, um, you know, these movies kind of – some of them are hodgepodge, even though The Conjurer is based on a certain family, which we'll talk about. And we actually have some neat interviews with a daughter uh, that wrote a book after the fact towards the end of this. But um, some of them were kind of – there was a little bit of this case, put in a little bit of this case, and that made this movie. So, you know, we're not – don't go by the movies. Movies are good. Conjuring was great. Conjuring 2, eh. Yeah, I know, And I mean, I that. even,
0: I loved the first Amityville horror. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, entertaining and awesome Shit. and I, yeah. I love that movie. Uh, but I mean, movies are just that, they're movies.
3: Exactly. They're brought in to bring crowd. We said that in the very beginning that there's a whole new generation of people bringing into what the Warrens are. But at the same time, you got to kind of put that on the side mm-hmm. and then go from there. So with that being said- We are going to talk about uh, one of the first cases, um, which you have some stuff, John, on your side, and probably Josh, you too, about the Amityville Horror. So we're going to read it, and um, we'll see where it goes.
0: On December 18, 1975, the Lutz family moved into the DeFeo home. Though it had only been 13 months since the DeFeo murders had occurred, George and Kathleen Lutz thought the Dutch colonial was a lovely home and a steal at $80,000. Never expecting they'd have to leave it all behind 28 days later, a Catholic priest arrived while the Lutz family was unpacking to bless the family home. As the priest made his way upstairs to the second floor entering the bedroom, which had formerly belonged to Mark and John DeFeo, he began sprinkling holy water, at which point an unseen voice told the priest, get out, which he hastily did. Probably smart. if something's <laughs> I'm I mean, gonna yell at me. If I'm you, you are me. a servant of God, I feel like that's kind of a pussy fucking move. But uh, whatever. Jesus. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> the priest did not tell the Lutz family about the voice, but he did warn them: do not use, do not use the upstairs room as a bedroom, and do not let anyone sleep in there. Although ominous, the Lutz family abided by the words of the priest and turned the room into a sewing room. From the very first night they moved in, the family claimed they felt strange sensations. Within days, the family's personality had drastically changed. Arguments ensued. George was plagued by a constant chill and spent all his time feeding the fireplace. George also noticed a change in his grooming habits, and his and Kathy's health declined drastically. The Lutz's daughter began spending all her time in her room playing with an imaginary friend. She described as red-eyed pig called Jody who could transform not only shape but size, at times being larger than the house. Jody also claimed she could not be seen by anyone unless she wanted them to. Mysterious foul odors would emanate from different locations of the house. Black stains appeared on the toilets and ceramic fixtures. Kathy was touched by an unseen force and a green gelatin substance would appear throughout the house. Hundreds of flies appeared in the sewing room despite it being the dead of winter. George would wake up nightly at 3.15 a.m., which coincided with the time the police felt the DeFeos were murdered. George also awoke one night to witness his wife transform into a 90 year old hag. And the next night she began levitating off the bed.
3: How do you know 90? That's a pretty exact age. Maybe it's I just the, the ballpark.
1: Just like old as
3: fuck. 90. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. But the Lutz
0: family tried on numerous occasions to contact the Catholic priest only to find the phones would cut out whenever they would try to call after failing to get the priest to return. The family took matters into their own hands, Armed with a crucifix, they walked through the house, reciting the Lord's Prayer. A chorus of voices erupted in response, asking them, Will you stop? The final night was reported to be the worst. Bangings and rappings as loud as the marching bands emanated throughout the house, furniture being moved by its own accord, and the children being terrorized. After 28 days in the DeFeo home, the family claimed they could take no more. They grabbed only a few belongings and fled the house,
1: taking shelter at Kathy Lutz's mother's home in nearby Babylon. 20 days after the Lutz fled, paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren were called in by Marvin Scott, a news reporter with Channel 5 New York who had covered the Amityville story and worked on a prior investigation with the Warrens. A team of reporters, investigators, and parapsychologists were assembled by Ed Warren and met at the house at 112 Ocean Avenue. The Lutz family refused to re-enter the home. During the investigation, Ed was physically pushed to the floor while using some religious provocation in the basement. Lorraine was also overwhelmed by a sense of a demonic presence and was plagued by her psychic impressions of the DeFeo family's bodies laid along the floor covered in white sheets, and a sense of physically being pushed back. The research team also captured an image of of a spirit that appeared as a little boy peering from the second floor. The land was also found to be used by John Ketchum. John Ketchum was a practicing black magician and had a cottage on the land prior to the construction of the Dutch colonial in 1924. John requested that his remains be buried on the property and they remain there till this day.
3: Mm, That's fucking weird. Uh,
1: The Shinnecock Indians also at one time had an enclosure on this land that was used to house the sick and the mad those in this enclosure were left to die the Warrens believed that the suffering there had left the property with a very negative energy and dark history and that such a negative history was a magnet for demonic spirits and the preternatural the Warrens believed that these energies directly impacted the lives of both the DeFeos and the Lutzes the Warrens retrieved a handful of the Lutzes earthly possessions and deed for the property, the Lutzes sold the re- rest of their belongings and relocated to California. The Ocean Avenue home that was once, per- once purchased for 80000 in 1975 by the Lutz family sold for 950000 in 2010 and is again on the market. There have been no further reports of activity from recent residents.
3: So can I just say this real quick? How would you like to be part of a tribe called the Shinnecock? Uh,
1: is that just me? I don't know if we're pronouncing I feel, that right.
0: Well, I, know, I
1: feel like shinnecock.
0: I, like I feel like we should probably tread lightly. Yeah.
1: Do <laughs> <laughs> chaser. Um, also, uh, I was listening to a podcast about the Warrens where they were talking about this specific case, and they talked about when they brought up the Native American tribe that had had the land prior. That name sounded nothing like that. Like.
3: Oh, really? Yeah, it was like uh, the
1: okay. uh, Mon- Montauk something.
3: Well, I guess that goes back to the history of who was there.
1: It was like Montauk or something like that. It was like based off Montauk,
3: basically. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, um, it's
0: on Long Island, so yeah, that makes sense. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that first of all, that's one thing where I'm like, this whole thing was c- cooked up. Um, the fact that. People have lived in that house since, and not one single thing Nothing after has that fact. ever happened.
3: Now, I will say this, though. So have you ever read the book, Eminville? I have not, no. So the book is, um, well, the book scares the shit out of you. I'll be honest with you, just like the movie, like how it lays out and everything is. But uh, what got me intrigued was the one of the sons, when he got older, he recounted a lot of what happened with his dad, especially George. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was pretty much. He says, "No, you can't even imagine what it was like living in that house." They made now, a,
0: They made a documentary. I think it was on Netflix for a little while, and it was him recounting. And they debunked his some experience, experience when he was a little kid. But honestly, I mean, I'm not trying to. I am.
3: do <laughs> no, fair. That's why you you we're know, here. I I mean, like, yeah. I mean, that
0: it just seems like it's a way to make some money. Uh, you know what I funny mean? funny
3: that you mentioned books. But they lost money, though. There's Did no they? way they lost
0: money on this. Did they lose well, money they, on Well, they
3: bought it for $80,000 and they sold it for how much? Actually, it doesn't say that in the article. One of us should let I'm just up saying, if it. they
0: have any type of rights to their which name, which I'm sure they fucking do. I know the book sold like crazy. I know they've made multiple George's well, George is Bill dead, or, I think, now. Well, I mean, I'm just okay. saying. I, they, they there, profited off of this. There so was 18 that's, different that's, movies. That it's, is the whole reason. That's the whole reason to come up with this story. And uh the DeFeo's lawyer admitted he and the Lutzes drank a bunch of wine yep. and cooked up there they were like, What would make a good horror book? Oh. And yeah, the, like, well, there you go. I
1: was gonna say funny thing you mentioned book because the Lutzes met with uh, with uh DeFeo's lawyer. Um, Cause they were talking about the insanity plea and just like everything about it in the mm-hmm. house and stuff. And, uh, and they were like, the lawyer said it basically sounded like they were trying to come up with the plot for a good horror movie. Yep. Oh, well, well, there you go.
0: And DeFeo, he's still in prison to this day. He said that the reason he told people that there was spirits or, or what have you telling him to kill his whole family. He just said that because he, it would work better with his insanity plea but now he's recanted that and he's like yeah no one no
1: one ever i never heard voices yeah i was just trying to not go to prison i was just trying to make a better defense for myself And he said that yeah there you go and the only thing that like is weird to me about any of that is that he did shoot six people in a house with a shotgun, and nobody woke up. You beat me to yeah. the punch,
3: so that's the one yeah, thing were, that I don't I don't get because literally he went room to room.
1: Yeah, and no evidence of them being drugged or anything. Everyone looked right. like they were still asleep, and there was not a struggle. I, I but, think there's also,
0: I think I read something while looking into all this that. There's some people think like his sister helped. Yeah, I've i heard, heard that. that. I've yeah, like watched like
1: a Dateline or something about
0: it
3: where they yeah. were throwing but, that But around. even if she helped though, what I mean, how would that, you're still looking at the same conclusion of these people. So say she had a gun too and she was doing the same. I, I don't know how where the help would come in at. I, I really don't. You know, if that's how, no, well, and if you did kill somebody or yeah. do something and drag him to the bed to make it look like you're still going to have all that stuff splayed out.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't know. There, there's a guy named Joe Nickel. He's the author of Entities, Angels, Spirits, Demons, and Other Alien Beings. Uh, he's personally visited the Amityville house and interviewed later owners. Um, he found numerous holes in the story. He said the Lutzes could not have found the demonic hoof print in the snow when they said they did because weather records showed that there had been no snowfall to leave prints in. So that's pretty big. That's that. Yeah. Um, the book details extensive damage to the home's doors and hardware. The original locks, doorknobs, and hinges were actually untouched. Another thing is the book and film show police being called to the house, but Nickel writes during the 28 day siege, quote unquote, that drove the Lutz family from the house. They never once called the police. There's (laughs) not any phone records of them ever calling the police and over and over big claims and small details were refuted by eyewitnesses. Okay. And there's,
3: well, and again, I know that we can't sit here and say that there wasn't a spinoff of the Amityville Horror because there's 18 fucking shows, movies, different things that have came off. this Yeah, that's day. why I'm saying yeah. they didn't well, lose so,
1: any fucking money. Yeah, yeah well, in an article, in an article, in an article I read, it story. said
0: it says. Uh, it's like over and over, both big claims and small details were refuted by eyewitnesses, investigations, and forensic evidence. Still, the Luxus stuck to their story, reaping tens of thousands of dollars from the book and film rights. Hmm. So they made out well, like bandits. There yeah, there um, you go. And I mean, you have I, you have the Defeo's lawyer saying that they this is just a story that they cooked up. Um, and then Jay Anson, who's the author of the book, just embellished everything. And
3: well, and with and, that and made me, it
0: and made it into a great story. I mean
3: I'm, I mean, it's a fantastic story. It's one of the best known haunts in America ever. Really yeah, my, of, of what my
1: super know. Mormon mom read that book.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. I remember reading the I rem- so I had a quick little side story. I had a cousin. And him and I used to be, I not as much because it scared the shit out of me. You know, I had the Ouija board encounter, which we talked about in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I had the encounter with the Ouija board. And after I found out what had happened, it was the same spirit that supposedly talked to my mom years prior. It just scared the shit out of me, so I backed off of it. Well, my cousin kept with it, him and his buddy. And his buddy ended up in, like, psychological therapy. Like, it, it fucked him up so bad because of what they would they'd literally go into graveyards and do these chants and it would just went to a whole new level. Yeah. But he um he said one time he he was reading Amityville Horror and he had a little brother Jacob that would at small house and and forgive me, knock on wood, the rednecks through and through. Um Jacob slept on the couch. That was his bedroom. He mm-hmm. was like five years old. And then Paul had his room. And uh, he told me this story one time. He says, I was reading that book. He says, and I, I woke up one night and Jacob started screaming, crying, yelling, sleeping on the couch. And everybody ran out. Paul ran out and and Rick and Carrie ran out too and was asking what was going on. And he says, I, it, we've ran out of Paul's room. It's running down the hallway. It was a pig. It was running down the hallway. And and it was a. he said it was a walking pig basically. And it scared the shit out of Jacob that he woke up. And Paul said to me, he goes, you know what? If I would have woke up and saw that thing looking over me, I probably wouldn't be here now. Like it scared the shit out of him. So in the Amityville, they talk about Jody. That's what Jody was, was a giant pig that would walk on its hind feet. Yeah, You know, mom would do dishes and she'd look out the window. She'd see these glowing red eyes. And, you know, again, a personal story because of, you know, what my cousin went through, but uh, not saying, not debunking what's going on because, yeah, I think Amityville – in general is probably a hocus pocus part of bullshit. Yeah, but, I mean, if there was know.
0: any, if there was any grain of truth to it, the, the, author- somebody
3: afterwards would have, it, the people that bought the house afterwards, mm-hmm. right? You would think would have had something, unless maybe so, they just mentally well, and, or well, psychologically weren't.
0: Well, we also talk about uh, entities or ghosts or spirits latching onto either the home, the property or people. If it was latched to the home, obviously new owners would experience right. exactly strange things. And if it was latched to the Lutzes, the Lutzes would, I mean, I'm assuming would still experience I mean, nobody's the an thing. expert on yeah. the
3: whole paranormal, but I mean, yeah, it makes sense with all you look at history about all the other ones are. Yeah, yeah, there's
0: there's also a researcher, his name's uh, Rick Moran. He compiled a list of a hundred discrepancies between Jay Anson's book and the real story, and I found a transcript. I think he was on a a radio. Oh, and by the way, the priest, Father, his name's Father Pecoraro. Pecoraro?
1: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that's, Father that's that's
0: Pecoraro. <laughs> Pecoraro. Um no. It's 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 Italian or Brooklyn. Strange that same. He recanted his whole story.
3: Oh really? Yeah. Oh no wait his last name was what the, the writer before is Moran
0: Moran so the researcher Rick Moran
3: that was Lorraine Warren's maiden name
0: uh-huh Rick Moranis yeah wow so nice in in it he's uh he's being interviewed and this is just a piece of the transcript and there's a caller that it's like well you know how do you know it's a hoax he's like oh I know it's a hoax I know it's a hoax because let me explain it. and this is you know, a quote from him. It's like, I know it's a hoax for one very good reason. After we had published what we found as a result of ASUP study into this, I was asked to go on the talk circuit with Jay Anson, who actually wrote the book. Jay and I got to be very, very good friends. And he put it this way. And this is at a dinner at 21 in Manhattan, the night we were doing the last program. And Jay looked at me and said, you know what your problem is? I said, no. He says, you're a journalist. And I said, what does that mean? And he says, I'm a writer. He says, I wrote this book because I wanted to make enough money to finish building my house so that I can retire. I'm a writer. I make things up. You're a journalist. You keep on looking for corroboration and proof, he says, and you're never going to have anything, and I'm going to have my house.
3: Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> kind of lays it out there, so doesn't it? Oh, there's <laughs> that. Okay, well that's pretty convincing. God damn it. Okay, on that side. Um
0: so if we're gonna mm, play our fun little game of factor bullshit, I'm gonna stamp my stamp of approval on bullshit for Yes, Amityville.
1: Hard bullshit.
0: Great story though.
1: Oh yeah, no, I mean, true. Especially since they didn't even come in until twenty days after the Lutzes moved out and then like the Lutzes <laughs> wouldn't go back in the house. Like I think the only collaboration right. was right was probably hey this is the stuff we said we saw yeah so and then
0: and the clip you played before he's like an amityville i that's a 10 it's a 10
1: rating it's like
3: no ed you're full of shit shit. it's
1: it's a (laughs) yeah it's a 10 on the fucking okay so it's a 10 on the bullshit so in,
3: in the book that we're reading um or that i read the demonologist uh and that was true they came after the fact so um Ed showed up where the Lutzes were staying at the time and George basically – again, according to the book, George handed him the deed to the property and said, hey, this will get you in. And George – or um, uh, Ed said, hey, do you want to go back to – he says, absolutely not. Here's everything you need. Here's the keys. Uh, we don't have anything to do with that house whatsoever. And so that was you know, how they well, stepped Well, I mean
0: – but- you know, uh, that wouldn't surprise me if so. he did that because it's
1: important to stick to your story if you're gonna. Skip. If that's the case, you know, exactly. like, especially if you're not, if the Warrens weren't in on it, if they right. were just, if this well, is a case. Well, so where here's the thing: the people who said they needed their help were perpetrating right. a fucking hoax. But do you think they were in on it to fool them? No. Uh, we'll get a little bit deeper into that over some of the other cases, but I, I think that the Warrens were a lot like the author that John just talked about. Trip. I think I think they saw an opportunity.
0: They saw an opportunity and they ran to benefit. It. Could be. And could be. You know, maybe if they weren't in on it. Obviously they weren't in on it at the very beginning, but then they were made aware of the situation and they saw
1: a way to capitalize on it. Yeah. I mean, did they ever have any cases that they wrote about or documented where they were like there's nothing fucking here?
3: They did. They had several, but being that most of the cases, they always believed that there was something, you know. Just like Ed said, I'm going to go in and look for devils. I'm going to find devils. Like he had, he had that mindset already, yeah. which I think is something. Well, to be, and
1: that's the other know. thing too, is like uh, when you were talking earlier about uh, it being non. When John brought up the Ouija board thing, and you were mm-hmm. like, "In the Warrens would say that's a non-human entity or whatever." He was a demonologist. He always found demons. He never right. found anything but. Demons. That's what. So, when you see research yeah. like that, whether intentionally or not, it tends
3: to be flawed. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So, um, we're going to take a quick promo and then come back with uh, a couple other cases and um, some more rebuttal. So, stand by, guys.
0: Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945 Open the gates.
3: Alright, so onwards and upwards, uh after the deville let's cover the Infill haunting, shall we? Uh we got a quick clip to play, and uh yeah, and then I think uh Josh you can read on, we'll go from there. So stand by
2: all oh, the lights out. Oh, oh. 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 oh.
1: Drove, drove where? Head, right where
2: across the we room and pulled it out of the side. Who's the door? What's Oh.
3: oh! What? Okay, so on that clip, it's hard to see because you guys aren't watching. Um, <laughs> It basically is a lamp got pulled out of the socket. Everything went into the dark. They didn't know what was going on. Things were moving around. In the very end, there was a shoe or a slipper of some sort that flew out of nowhere and hit the door. Mm. A kind of when you what do you watch on YouTube, you're like, mm, I don't know how they can make this happen. But you know, with that being said, let's read the infill haunting and then we'll go into uh, we'll go past that. So,
1: all right, in there. Oh, you, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> In August 1977, single parent Peggy Hodgson called police to her rented home in Enfield claiming she had witnessed furniture moving and that the two of her four children said that knocking sounds were heard on the walls. The children included Margaret, age 13, and Janet, 11. A police constable said that he saw the, saw a chair wobble and slide but could not determine the cause of the movement. Later claims included disembodied voices, loud noises, toys thrown, overturned chairs and children levitating which by the way there's a crazy picture of her 13 year old being thrown around on a bed over a period of 18 months more than 30 people including neighbors psychic researchers and journalists said they've said they variously saw heavy furniture moving of its own accord objects being thrown across a room and the daughters seeming to levitate several feet off the ground many also heard and recorded knocking noises and a gruff voice the story was covered in the Daily Mail and Daily Mirror until reports came to an end in 1979. Now, <clears throat> here's the flip side, just to be fair. In 1977, the Warrens investigated claims that a family in the North London suburb of Enfield was haunted by a poltergeist activity. While a number of independent observers dismissed the incident as a hoax carried out by attention-hungry children, the Warrens were convinced that it was a case of demonic possession. Although critics say the Warrens were involved to a far lesser degree than portrayed in the movie, and in fact had shown up to the scene uninvited and been refused admittance to the home. To add to this, it was also reported that the girls were caught trying to bend spoons, throwing their voices, etc. Even though some investigators have recorded or have recordings of video as well as audio to disprove this the girls did admit to that some of the things that were happening were mischief they made up but they claimed they only did it to try to deal with what was really happening uh, i guess is sort of like a acting out um as a way to sort of comprehend the situation around them the mother had f- absolutely no reason to bring any light to the situation along with the fact of heavy furniture flying through the air could the girls have caused that? Not sure on this one. However, the book Demonologist mentions that the Warrens had taken at least three trips out to investigate the haunting. It's not very clear whether they performed this on their own accord or wanted the spotlight. Thoughts. They wanted the fucking spotlight. Well, they wanted the spotlight for sure.
3: And because they're poor and destitute and had nothing better to going on.
0: Yeah, I mean, they get a... And it's, I think it, you you said that uh, he, uh, it was a hoax carried out by attention hungry children. But the Warrens were convinced that it was a case of demonic possession. Mm-hmm. They're just going around and claiming anything's a demonic possession, just like oh, it's it's demons, it's definitely demons, definitely demons, definitely demons. Let me let me.
1: Nothing to do with the fact that you need to change the filter in your furnace. That noise you're hearing is definitely demons. Like, let me interject myself into this case. I mean, I'm
0: not saying this case is bullshit. I mean, obviously some of it is because the girls, I feel like that's
1: a weird coping mechanism that you try and make, I don't know. Weird shit's happening. I'm going to like fake some of the weird shit that's happening because weird shit's happening and that's how I'm going to deal with it.
3: Well, okay, hold on. Let's look on the flip side of this coin you are a poverty family because they were, they were low household income. Like they were living there for dirt cheap just because mom had a job, but really wasn't much. And that's the only life, you know, and now all of a sudden you have something going on. Wouldn't your creative imagination maybe try to spool that around a little bit. That's know, my man. question. And uh, maybe not. I don't know. I, I don't think I would do that, but at the same time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I want to see some of these pictures too. Are they in the demonologist?
3: I was going to have you guys actually look at the pictures because they're yeah. kind of doors manif manifesting from different places type thing. But yeah, I looked at some and there's, that's also. So when she jumps on the bed, for example, is she just somersaulting on the bed or is she actually going through connexions? And that's the thing. That's what they're saying. It's either this or it's that.
0: That's the thing is it's like really easy to fake that fake those photos. And I mean, it obviously has worked for the Warrens because we're talking about them now and Mm -hmm. everybody's talked about them and there's been millions of dollars made on these Hollywood loves them. Yeah. And so I think they, of course they're going to say it's demons because then that brings attention to them. They can do, they can manipulate all of this. Um, and while they didn't charge for their investigations, they never charged yeah, for their they investigations. they made money off they them made anyway. money, plenty of money off of books. Well, and, and,
3: and agreed. They actually flew across the world. Like, they had seminars. They went to colleges. They went yeah. all over the place where they were really never at home mm-hmm. for a big stretch of the time, about 10, 15 years, where they were doing all these encounters and all these experiences and all these um, speeches. Yeah. So, And you
0: know, so a lot of their evidence is mostly – Photographs taken by them or like people that worked for them, mm-hmm. people that work for them, and the majority of their photographs that they claim are legit are just pictures of blobs of light on a piece of film. Um, ton- okay, with that being said, tons of ways to get that on. And with was- that
3: being said, I'm gonna hand you guys a book. You, I'm gonna let you read through some of the pictures or look through some of the pictures, and then I, uh, there's one more trial, there's one more action encounter that I have in here that I'll read out. And we'll we'll go forth. Well, but like
1: so. so, that's why I asked earlier: Is there anything they just walked away from and said, "There's nothing here"?
3: There has been, there has been, but not very many. And the thing is, they're so famously portrayed for Amityville at Infield, and the Perrin family, and other things that that kind of takes precedence in the limelight versus the ones that they just went, you know what? There's nothing here. Which,
1: of course, like. The ones where there is something, they're going to get a lot more attention. But it would, um, I would believe them a lot more if there were a higher number of cases that they just walked away from. Agreed. Agreed. The, they were like, yeah. "Nah, there's nothing." Like you live under high, high voltage lines, like you just right. need to move. Right.
3: Or you have mental disorder. Or you have. Yeah. There's lead in the pipes, or there's you know you something's not grounded. Wherever the reason is. Well, and also
0: yeah, I, I feel like so. There's three things, flashback, light diffraction, or camera cords. they are double or multiple exposures that create some more interesting image, but they are still artificial. And the flashback is simply just light from the camera that was reflected back at the lens, and it causes a hazy, overexposed region of the film, causing a wispy or blurry light image on the film. And the Warrens claim on their website that using a flash in investigations will help create, quote unquote, ghost photographs. The brighter the flash, the better. "Quote unquote," it also recommends to include a foreground object, something to reflect the flash. However, they never recognize at all that the light images might be the result of photographic artifact created
3: by the flash.
1: Yeah, they it, tell you how to do how to set all that up to make that a thing, but never that like that might be the reason why you get something in your photo. And you know what, the advocate is goddamn knew it.
3: You're looking at the day between uh, before digital era. You were, was it, there was no digital cameras and um, yeah, something but, that but like
1: creating artifacts that way it doesn't matter if it's digital or film like, no you're, you're right 100% right that's yeah. photography exactly. one. right right. how to make it work I and honestly I,
0: I do believe do you want to look at some of these yeah. pictures I do believe that you know they definitely probably saw some weird stuff but I feel like they definitely made it what, what am I trying to say here
3: Corralled it into their little corner of weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, mean, I and I agree with the that caption completely.
1: for this image: the recreation room lamp being levitated. Oh, sorry, never mind. Recreation. <laughs> <Okay, laughs> it was well, like right
3: here. It says it's a recreation. While no, you're no, reading no, 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 through okay, that, let's uh, let me cover one more case, and then as you're looking through the pictures, we'll go from there. And again, I'm not trying to say that I believe them. I'm just trying to say that I, you know uh, their heart was uh, in the right place. I guess at a certain I mean, point. However,
0: and I mean I think I I don't know, I feel like I believe them maybe a little bit on some things. Well, but I think they just definitely uh bent the proof and bent uh cases into their favor yeah. to make it yeah. more more sexy. To, they make, like they, to make right.
1: themselves more believable
0: and to make more right. money. Yeah, they right. made they made the cases more sexy. They, you know.
1: Okay. I mean, I do before we move on, we I all got to eat. Want to bring up that uh there was at least one case and I can't I don't think it was the Enfield one. I I want to say it was like uh in the 80s in like the Midwest cuz I think the family went on Donahue and said that the that they made 100% of everything up. But the Warrens like stuck by it saying like, no, we were there and we investigated and there was crazy stuff happening. And then Mm -hmm. they went on a talk show and we're like, no, we fucking made all that shit up.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And like the Warrens, I wish I had better documentation (laughs) for that evidence because I don't remember what the case was. But Mm
3: -hmm. Well, with that being said, let's cover this last little case and we'll go forth. The Devil Made Me Do It Trial. The trial of Arn Cheyenne Johnson, also known as the Devil Made Me Do It case, is the first known court case in the United States in which a defense sought to prove innocence based upon the defendant's claim of demonic possession and denial of personal responsibility for the crime. On November 24, 1981, in Brookfield, Connecticut, Arn Cheyenne Johnson was convicted of first-degree manslaughter for the killing of his landlord, Alan Bono. According to testimony by the Glatzel family, 11-year-old David Glatzel had allegedly played host to the demon that forced Johnson to kill Bono. After witnessing a number of increasingly ominous occurrences involving David, the family decided to enlist the aid of self-described demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren in a last-ditch effort to cure David. The Glatzel family, along with the Warrens, then proceeded to have David exorcised by a number of Catholic priests. The process continued for several days, concluding when, according to those present, a demon fled the child's body and took up residence with Johnson. Several months later, Johnson killed his landlord during a heated conversation. His defense lawyer argued in court that he was possessed, but the judge ruled that such a defense could never be proven and was therefore infeasible in a court of law. Johnson was subsequently convicted though. He only served five years of a 10 to 20 year sentence.
0: Again, let's dig a little deeper into this during interviews. They claimed to be eyewitnesses to demonic possessions and both were adamant in their support of the Warren's recollection of events. They asserted that paranormal activity began after they went to clean up a rental property they had just acquired. David recollected that an old man appeared, pushing and terrifying him. The couple initially thought David was using the old man as an excuse to avoid cleaning. But David informed them that the old man had vowed to harm the Glatzels if they moved into the rental home. David's vision of the old man included the man appearing as a demonic beast who muttered Latin and threatened to steal his soul. Although the family allegedly heard strange noises coming from the attic, no one but David ever witnessed the old man. After David experienced night terrors exhibited strange behavior and obtained unexplained scratches and bruises. The family called upon the services of a Catholic priest who attempted to bless the house, the terrified family concluded that the house was evil and would no longer continue to rent it. David's visions worsened occurring in the daytime as well. 12 days after the original incident, the family summoned the self-proclaimed demonologist Ed and Lorraine Warren to assist. Lorraine Lorraine allegedly witnessed a black mist materialize next to David, an apparent indication of a malevolent presence. Debbie and her mother told the Warrens they had seen David being beaten and choked by invisible hands and that red marks had appeared on his neck afterwards. David had started to growl, hiss, speak in otherworldly voices and recite passages from the Bible or Paradise Lost. The Glatzels recounted how each night a family member would remain awake with David as he suffered through spasms and convulsions. After receiving prognosis of multiple possessions from the Warrens, David was subjected to three lesser exorcisms. Lorraine asserts that David levitated, ceased breathing for a time, and even demonstrated the supernatural ability of precognition, specifically in relation to the murder Johnson would later commit.
1: In October 1980, the Warrens contacted Brookfield police to warn them that the situation was becoming dangerous. According to eyewitness testimony, Arne Johnson coerced one of the demons purportedly within David to possess him while while participating in David's exorcisms. Johnson returned to the rental property to examine an old well that supposedly housed the demon. In both the dramatized versions and his personal account, Johnson recollects that this was the final his final encounter with the demon while completely lucid. As David's condition continued to worsen, Debbie and Johnson decided that it was time to move out of her mother's home. Debbie was hired by Alan Bono, a new resident in Brookfield, as a dog groomer. Debbie and Johnson began renting an apartment close to her place of employment. After moving in, Johnson started to exhibit odd behavior that was strikingly similar to David's, causing Debbie to fear that he had become possessed as well. According to Debbie, Johnson would fall into trance-like states wherein he would growl and hallucinate, but later have no memory of it. Sounds like he's drunk. (laughs) On February 16th, 1981, Johnson called in sick to his job at Wright Tree Service and joined Debbie in the kennel where she worked along with his sister Wanda and Debbie's 9-year-old cousin Mary. Bono, the couple's landlord and Debbie's employer at the kennel, brought the group brought the group lunch at a local bar and proceeded to drink heavily. Hell yeah.
3: Mhm. As one would do.
1: <clears throat> After lunch, the group returned to the kennel. Debbie then took the girls to get pizza but insisted they return quickly anticipating trouble. When they returned, Bono, intoxicated at this point, became agitated. Everyone left the room at Debbie's urging, except Bono, who seized Mary and refused to let go. Wanda told the following events to the police. Mary ran for the car as Debbie attempted to mitigate the situation by standing between the two men. Wanda tried in vain to pull Johnson away. Johnson growled like an animal, then drew a pocket knife out and stabbed Bono repeatedly. Bono died several hours later, according to Johnson's lawyer. Bono had suffered four or five tremendous wounds, mostly to his chest and one that stretched from his stomach to the base of his heart. Johnson was discovered a few miles away from the site and was later and was taken to the local jail for the murder of Alan Bono
3: so that's one that
1: is not a movie as of yet as of yet. <clears throat> I mean, I think at this point it's just a matter of time before every case they ever made like any report about gets made a movie because yeah, they're fucking cash cows. Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. So, well, David's brother wound up suing the Warrens on the grounds that his brother was mentally ill, not possessed, and needed actual help from actual doctors. According to Carl, the Warrens promised his family that they'd become millionaires if they would insist that the boys had been plagued by demons instead of a completely treatable mental disorder. Yeah. They also promised that Johnson could beat the rap by using demonic possession as a defense, a seemingly bulletproof tactic that somehow only succeeded in earning Johnson a prison sentence. Hmm. Yeah, you just got a disturbed person. Yep. That's... And and why would you, like... Hey, demon that I'm trying to get out of my stepson, why don't you jump in me? <laughs> yeah, why would you ever do that? What the fuck?
3: Nobody ever saw Exorcist? Come on, guys. You never <laughs> saw that show? I, d- I did see it. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying. Um, also, when the Warrens were writing In a Dark Place, the book upon which uh, the cosmically forgettable 20, 2009 film The Haunting in Connecticut was based, uh, they contacted horror our horror author Ray Garten to help. Garten went into the project thinking he'd be interviewing a family who truly believed they were haunted but quickly found that the family was deeply troubled and no one involved could keep their story straight. When he expressed his concern to Ed Warren, he reported, all the people who come to us are crazy. Just use what you can and make the rest up. Make it up and make it scary. That's why we hired you.
3: Dang. It's those real life quotes that really get you. Yep. That's really what gets you. <laughs>
1: And I mean, just with like that, that almost sounds exactly like the conversation between the lawyer for the DeFeos and the Lutz family. And Yeah, they just wanted you know. to make
0: a scary story. Yeah. Because
1: that sells.
0: Make it up and make it scary. That's why we hired you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And con- I mean, basically in conclusion, I think the Warrens, you know, maybe they, uh, I just don't believe them.
1: I don't know why I want to believe them. Well, it's not in conclusion yet. I think we still have the final days, and we're going to talk about. uh, Well, we the own family, which I would like to, because uh, that's one case where this
3: is kind of might be a little bit legit. You know, only because of the daughter,
1: where at least they're still saying like all that stuff actually
3: happened. Right? Yeah. Right. You know, and Um, that's why I
1: say like maybe
0: most of it's bullshit,
1: but maybe some of it's real. I think they, whenever they could find even the least hinkling of something being weird, they were like, cool. Demons. Demons.
3: Agreed. Agreed. And you know, and you look at, if you have somebody like Ed, who that's what he is focused on, he's going to make anything out of that. It's going to happen. I mean, there, you know, there, there's no doubt. Now saying that there wasn't something that they were involved in that really was an encounter or spiritual, I, I think so. But some of these things, and that's one of the reasons we threw that last case in there that you read, Josh, because it, it really isn't, it really is a mainstream, but at the same time, you got to encompass a different that I don't think that was anything possessed. I think that was just somebody who was fucked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Period.
1: They're just, so they're in it for the money. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of people who end up getting exorcisms from whatever church for whatever reason are uh, honestly just they have mental health issues. Right, right.
3: Well, with that being said, I think uh, we're going to wrap this up a little bit on the final days. And mainly, I think more than anything, respect just for the Warrens. Because I'm sorry, I got a lot of respect for them. Because they really, they their whole life went into something. Whether they maybe flipped it out to be money or uh, fame, could be. Well, but at the same time, you're looking at 50-something plus years of... Them just doing what they love to do. It really is her in a weird way, I guess.
0: They loved making
1: money and being famous.
3: Well, no, they loved each other and ghosts, but thanks for that <laughs> one. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'd say all of the above.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, yeah. this is like, this is your wheelhouse. This is the stuff that you're into and that you care about a lot. And like. Yeah. Uh, well, I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen
3: it. I've, I've lived through it. I, I literally watched a, a like I would drive by somebody who was a high school kid standing on the bridge every um, three times a week in a red Letterman's jacket in a mullet. And he was never there. I saw him, but he was never there. So, you know, some of this stuff kind of hits home. But uh, again, at the same time, we talked about earlier, uh, demonology and wrapping the Catholicism into it and Christianity into it. You lost me on that one because I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't get that. I never have. Well, and it's also so.
1: tough when like people point out that people that you looked up to that you might consider heroes, like might not have been 100% to find honest out. all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You and know. I'm saying, I think these people, you know, maybe are,
0: I was actually a little bummed reading about this. Like when I was researching this and to find out, kind of looking into some of this yeah. stuff, I was like, Oh,
3: what? Yeah. Yeah. Like, fuck. Well, out of respect, let's, uh, let's go ahead and end up some of this. And then we, uh, We'll go from there. We have actually some cool clips from an Andrea Peron, who is one of the daughters from the classic case, which is a conjuring, which we'll cover. Um, there obviously are a lot more stories that encompass Ed and Lorraine's fifty-plus year career in the study, understanding and harnessing of said supernatural entities. But we will be here for days if we're going to continue down that route. However. It's worth noting at least the names of the other investigations, such as the Perron family, which Conjuring was based off of, which we'll have the clips for. Um, the Snedeker house, which was the basis of The haunted in Connecticut, uh, which was based off of Werewolf, which was made. You actually had a Werewolf case, I think, on your side, right, John? That you looked up a little bit. It's this one, yeah. It's that one, yeah. Um, and then, uh, last but not least, the Smiral family case, which was a book in 1986 called The Haunted. And a movie of the same name. Not only they both, uh, not only have they both been involved in writing six different books on the encounters, but flew around the world giving lectures, seminars, and advice to anyone that shared a vested interest in their research. Ed Warren passed on August twenty-third, two thousand six, at the age of seventy-nine. Lorraine continued to keep their research alive and intact with guest appearances on Paranormal State and the Discovery Channel series Haunting. Before she passed on April eighteenth. 2019, at the age of 92, which weirdly enough is my birthday. Their society they founded in 1952 is still going strong. And if you're in the Monroe, Connecticut area and are interested in a tour of their museum, email uh, nesper 2 at yahoo.com. That's N E S P R 2 at yahoo.com or go to warns.net to find the latest info. Despite the accusations of being possible frauds, or whether you truly embrace the idea of the hauntings, demons, and the like, the one thing that everyone and i mean everyone including the people that were trying to debunk the warrens would routinely say was it ed and lorraine warren were the most kind-hearted good people around there's something you said about that when you're in the field of that work i personally have a hard time believing in the demons or possession and i think all of us have um as an anti-theist i feel that you have to believe in god in order to believe in the devil but maybe you separate the religious aspect of it and just concentrate on the good versus evil concept And we talked about that, so that might be something. Um, We're actually gonna play a couple really quick clips. One with uh, Lorraine Warren talking about auras, which was what her ability was. And then the other, uh, we'll explain afterwards, hold on.
2: Good, good looks like very pastel Mm. colors around your aura, Mm -hmm. around them. And is it always around the head area? Yes, it's always around the head area. area. And, but then, bad, bad, bad is terrible.
3: So one of the cases that they are famous for is the Conjuring. The Conjuring was actually based off the parent family uh, that bought the house, and we stumbled on some clips from the daughter who actually wrote a book. Uh, yeah, I think it's a three-volume book. Really, it's which I don't know how much information you can get off that, but um, her name's Andrea, and she. It explains literally about kind of what happened is very interesting so listen to this
2: into the dining room and I saw an oddly dressed man in the corner of the dining room and I greeted him because I was a polite child I said good morning and he didn't respond to me his focus was entirely on the elder gentleman who was moving out of the house who had sold it to mm-hmm. us and uh, so I kept going and I walked in the kitchen and said, Mom, who's that other man with Mr. Kenyon in the dining room? She said, there is no other man in the dining room. And then Nancy came in, Christine came in, Cindy came in, and the last sister came in and said, that man in the dining room just disappeared. And in the movie, you saw that the Warrens came into play and they came to the house. Mm -hmm. Did that happen in real life? Yes, it did actually. They didn't move in with us as was portrayed in the film and there was no exorcism conducted in the house. A priest came with them. They decided that it was important that my mother was oppressed Mm -hmm. by a spirit. And my mother was changing radically, dramatically, even though it was gradually over a period of time. She began dressing in vintage clothing. She started using archaic language like yeoman. You know, people don't use that word to describe the menfolk in town. Um, And uh, we thought it was because she was immersed in the history of Mm -hmm. the place. And we did pay attention to it. All of us did. Because we felt like our mother was slipping away from us in in some respects. And I stepped into the role of, you know, I was parentified at a young age. I needed to take care of my sisters. And in the movie...
3: Ladies and gentlemen, the Warrens what do you think?
1: I don't know, mm. like I don't want them to be completely
0: full of shit. I don't want them to be completely full of shit either, but I kind of just believe that yeah. they
1: are yeah,
0: I believe they found a good career and they stuck with that because they were successful. Uh, I'm gonna at, say they su- were successful at continuing this, and yep. I just I just have a hard time. I don't know. I don't know if it's like when it's, it's not that they profited from it. That makes them unbelievable. It's just, it's just all the things, all the quotes that I've read them saying and everything that it's just like, you lie about this. What else are you lying about? Or what, what truth are you stretching? Yeah. Like, like even if it's like, Oh yeah, there's some weird stuff going on. It's demons and the chair
3: flew and taking this picture. Like, Okay, know. so, but l- let me say this. So, and we talk about this a little bit I, and I'm not trying to back them up and say, oh my God, I a hundred percent believe because, you know, I don't either. I get it. I, you're probably 60% of what they did. If you look in our real world, what we're doing was bullshit completely. But if you believe in something and you believe in it hard enough and, and that's what your mental, that's what your capacity is. Mm. It, if it's drawn enough to, tribes have known it, civilizations have known it, it goes back to the topo where you have enough people believing in one thing. Yeah, is it possible? And so, if Ed really believed and Lorraine really believed, and these were more manifestations than they were people that had a problem in their own mind. So that sense?
1: you're saying there like, like a was collective like, consciousness is creating mm,
3: this? Like maybe yes. there and was they like, had enough power to make that little fucking hub
1: like a little a little something weird is know. happening at someone's house they call the warrens the warrens come in believing that it's like something crazy and blow then they it complete, manifest blow it completely the out of fucking
3: proportion exactly eh, not saying there,
1: but even even without manifesting it they could just do that accidentally by like it's like when you watch any ghost hunting tv show and
3: they're like oh my god what was that
1: well and, and that's why people love those shows nothing happened
3: but this is know? an old school version of it Really? Yeah, of that's What where they it comes from. You know, yeah. so I don't know. And again, yeah, I think some of it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around the whole demonologist thing. Because I, I, I don't, you know, I read the book. And I was like, eh, okay. You know, we'll go from there. But anyway, from that being said, if nothing else, I got to give respect for them because I really think they meant well. I, I really think they were good people. Now, whether they decided they were going to find some profit in it. Yeah, probably there. Yeah. More than
1: likely, I mean, you know, I'd like to find some profit in talking about all this weird shit. So, <laughs> with yeah, that I mean, being said, I'm uh, not 100% against that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I don't blame them for
0: making money off of it because, like I said, you got to eat and do what you love. But I think they definitely,
3: yeah, maybe their ethics were a little They askew. definitely bended the lines
1: to make a little more. Yeah. Make a
0: little yeah, more
3: money. Agreed. I see that. Yeah.
1: I mean,. I don't know. Maybe they were just really good storytellers who got caught up in telling stories and forgot that they were supposed to be researching shit. Yeah. <laughs> they somewhat scientifically and they, not bending facts. They explains.
0: definitely weren't objective. Like they didn't, they definitely right. didn't like try and come at this in a neutral type of way and just follow.
1: No, they're like that astrophysicist dude whose ass we wanted to kick. Like a month ago, I can't oh, remember yeah. who. Was that? Uh, I can't remember his name. It oh shit, that remember. one
3: episode we talked about—you were so pissed off, and now we can't remember.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not sure how drunk I was when we recorded that, but um, I mean, the fact of the matter is, like, if if you're wholly invested in in your worldview being the right worldview, you're never going to see anything that challenges your world, and, and that's true as anything. Besides, like, bullshit.
3: Well, and that's one of those things where, you know, and again, I belong to this other group and I wholeheartedly, you know, I walk in, I'm going to debunk it before I fucking believe in it because you have to, you know, if you don't. Now, they decided to do it (laughs) the other direction, granted, you know, which, whatever. Yeah, I mean, you you
0: you definitely have to rule out every other possibility before you go to. Oh my God, uh, where's mm -hmm. that wind coming from? Ghosts. Could it be wind? Demons or whatever, yeah. So. Yeah,
1: this door just suddenly closed. Is there an open window yeah. on the other side of it? Right. But while I think the Warrens were very good at stretching the
0: truth, I do believe this phenomenon is real, and I do, very much so. I, I do believe there's a lot of unexplained things that happen to people and families, and
3: yeah, and I, and I'll say I'll say it again, and and I, we've had other people on the podcast that. Oh, I'm an expert in no. Nobody is a fucking expert in this realm. No. They're not. They're just yeah. not. I mean, honestly, there's nothing. To, there's no expert of, to it. Yeah,
0: because you don't know what it is. No, you can't be an expert at something no.
1: you don't know what it is. Even if you claim you do know what it is, the right. well, only narrative that I've heard that that I don't think would need some churching up to make it like compelling churching <laughs> up, like I uh, say, that. is basically Sky's story, and even that happened over the course of months. So to make it like an entertaining like story you would condense
3: things and fuck with the timeline and
1: like. And, and this you know. is
3: exactly the thing. When you talk about anybody that wants to get in and take me, I will fucking tell you, take my word for it. Anybody who wants to get in the paranormal field and go investigating for ghosts. It is a long, boring, drawn out. I saw nothing. I saw shit for weeks and months on end before one tiny thing may happen. This is not an exciting realm. And I think that's where the Warrens made it exciting all the
1: time yeah, they, they made it sexy you know
0: yeah yeah, oh.
3: yeah exactly yeah like yeah. I was saying that's not the
1: case before like every house I've ever lived in has been haunted but that doesn't mean something fucking happens every single day right it just means but I will I've tell you that every time you text me I get with... all
3: excited because I'm like oh shit dude can I come over oh you mean like MF last meter?
1: time when I when it <laughs> turned out that the light bulb
3: just burned out <laughs> yeah but it was still exciting me a little bit
1: hey but you found out that the light bulb
0: was burnt out right
3: <laughs> yeah it's a win-win Exactly. And
1: then there was the other time when the Christmas lights came on when they weren't plugged into anything. Although yeah. Aubrey told me they were plugged into something. She's like, you don't remember that, right? And I was like, I was fucking sober when that <laughs> happened. <laughs> and I was telling you there was nothing weird. And you can't tell me. And you were all freaked out. And that's I was like, don't funny. worry about it. They're just probably not plugged in all the way. And that's when I found out they weren't plugged in at all. And she was like, <laughs> no, they were plugged in. And I was like, Huh. Which one of us is remembering things wrong? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Memory is mm, fallible. That's funny. Well, guys, hopefully you enjoyed that episode. Uh, stand by, because we have what on the f- horizon, 37th par- parallel, along with- I think with that's what we're talking yeah, about. We're, we're gonna yeah, we're going to dive
0: into the 37th parallel on the next episode.
3: Yeah. So. And I think after that is magic. And so, <laughs> there you go. Stand by, everybody. So, should be fun. Um, you guys got anything? Promotions? Anything to wrap up with?
1: Uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe if you follow my Instagram and, like, pump up my following, my follower numbers, I'll...
3: <laughs> You'd be happy? Yeah. No, Actually, <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit about that.
0: Just find us on social media. You can find us at blah, 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 blah. Just
1: kidding. Yeah, just search some Strange <laughs> Uncles. Uh, we're Strange Uncles Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and strange uncles on Twitter
3: and you can find a website mystrangeuncles.com. uh tell us your encounters you can find everything on the website if you want including some of our write-ups and you can call us at eight zero one two five two sixty nine forty five. 45 tell um, us your
1: encounters oh uh, yeah and please do because if there's a, or suggestions yes. for topics you'd like us to talk about i mean i assume if you're listening to this you like listening to us talk about things <laughs> so it know?
0: definitely helps too cuz we i mean we have our own thoughts of subjects that we want to talk about but um, the thirty seventh parallel is actually that's a interesting suggestion. Um, yeah, and exactly. I actually already read the book, so I was like, "Well, that's a great idea." There Let's you do go. It. So
3: yeah. we'll add to it, and uh, hopefully, we'll have some uh, guest hosts on earlier or later on in the year, and uh, some people we found kind of in the nooks and crannies. Hopefully, you guys like them. So, anyway, we hope so. So this much. has been fun, and I guess we can uh, close the gates. Close the gates. Close the gates. No, wait, keep them open!
0: No, we said close the gates.
1: The power of Christ compels you to keep them open! Alright, so I can shout them.